Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Uh, good. You know, I tr- I'm, I'm trying not to live and die with the Oilers, but that game had me. And I was dying there for a while until they wanted in shootout. A big 5-4 victory by the Oilers in the shootout. Mm-hmm. Um, the Oilers were the dominant team in that game, Bruce. Yeah, They were the dominant team, and they almost found a way to lose it. It was very, very frustrating because um, uh, the grade-A shots in that game were 17-9 to 9 for the Oilers. So almost twice as many. And when it came to the even more dangerous subset of five alarm shots it was 10 to 3 for Edmonton and yet it was tied 4-4 at the end of the game and they went into overtime and they had to win it in the shootout which Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins did fantastic but um man that was it that would have been a brutal loss if they had lost that game Bruce even even just getting the loser point would have been brutal because they they need to win I had visions of losing in regulation, especially when Zach Whitecloud of the famous playoff goal came steaming in unmolested down the center of the ice with about 40 seconds left in regulation. And finally, Stuart Skinner made the save and on rebound as well. But it sure seemed like there was just everything was falling apart when, in fact, the Oilers dominated the third period. They did almost, almost everything right. And they the did third period. They, they were playing. Vegas so well. had one shot with like seven minutes left, and then they got one one puck that just got away on the Oilers, and the guy shot it through an Oiler, and Skinner never saw it, and it was four to three. And then we'll get into this, Bruce. We'll yeah, get we'll get into all that. But anyway, that was sort of the fuse that got lit at that point, and then it was uh, white knuckle ride most of the rest of the way. Yeah. Not much happened in overtime, interesting. All right. Well, this is our uh, two good things, two bad things, two numbers podcast and one conundrum. Bruce, what is your good thing, Amundo? Okay. I'm going to single out uh, Matthias Janmark tonight. That's my good thing. Just because... uh, well, I like this player, and I, I like his utility, and he showed some of it tonight by um, uh, moving up to the first line in the absence of Zach Hyman, who was a late scratch due to illness, and Janmark was the man chosen by the new coach, just as he had been chosen by the old coach, against all of the angst and hue and cry of Oilers' Twitter, uh, and I presume there was more of that tonight. I didn't actually go there, but... Uh, uh, Janmark stepped up, and I thought he was, you know, pretty good at five on five. What he did do was score his first goal of the season, and he scored it by following uh, Murdoch Davis' rule number one of how to score goals in the NHL, GTTFN. He went to the frickin' net, and when he got there, he actually stopped in front. He didn't slide by and go in behind the net. He didn't turn, go into the corner. He stopped in front 
And because he was there, he got, a, you know, the he screened the goalie and the rebound, uncontrolled rebound hit him and bounced into the net. It was not a pretty goal. It wasn't even really a clean goal, but it was a goal. And the goal was scored because he did the right thing and he GTTFN'd. And uh, good things happened. Vegas had scored a goal just like that earlier in the game with uh, Mark Stone getting sort of a fluky double deflection. Well, the first deflection was good. The one that hit, I think it was CeCe and bounced in. Was it CeCe? Anyway, that whoever the, oh, no, it was uh, it was Echo and bounced in. Same thing. But, you know, you score by going to the greasy areas. And there's a few of them tonight. Anyway, Janmark got one of those. Uh, but I was even more impressed by his work on the penalty kill. And in particular, what I saw is two sensational defensive plays that may well have both saved a goal. Uh, one, a terrific read and react to tip a hugely dangerous cross-seam pass, just as it was going on to the right-handed stick on the left side of the ice that looked ready to lash the puck home. And the, the uh, puck was deflected away from that stick just before it got there because of Janmark's uh good read and react that was in the first period and then in the third period there was one this time it was jonathan march or so the first one might have been eichel I'm not sure anyway it was march or so in the third and this time the puck was uh came out to him i think on a rebound or deflection of some kind the puck was bouncing but march or so was going to get a good whack at it and uh Again, Janmark came in from behind and just lifted the hosel of his stick and disrupted him enough that he never made contact. And again, as before, the puck dribbled harmlessly into the corner. And I just thought two uh, sort of micro examples of what's been very strong work by the penalty kill unit as a whole now, four games and 18 consecutive kills after getting their usual five penalties called against him tonight. <clears throat> What, what, they got three for Tiki and two for Tack? Something like that. <laughs> anyway, it's Vegas, so you know what to expect. Anyway, they uh, were successful in killing them off, allowing only five shots in uh, eight minutes and 58 seconds of power play time for Vegas. So again, we're talking about a sort of normal shot rate of one shot in two minutes, which you get normally in just regular hockey. And the power play uh, is typically much more closer to one shot per minute. And yet the Oilers were able to hold them down to just five shots in that nine minutes of uh, power play time. Yeah, Janmark, um, I thought all of the forwards and all of the defensemen were exceptional on the PK. In, was did you say eight, eight minutes, a bit more than eight minutes? Nine minutes. Nine minutes? 8.58. 8.58 on the PK. Yeah. Um, they only allowed two grade A shots, which is pretty exceptional work. Um, yeah. So CC was out there for six minutes, Darnell Nurse for five minutes, Connor Brown, four minutes, mm-hmm. De for three minutes, Ryan McLeod, three minutes, um, Nugent Hopkins, um, two, uh, three minutes, uh, and Janmark, uh, three minutes. They've got a really solid group of forwards right now. Fogel was out there for a minute and 30. Uh, just mm-hmm. a, such a solid group of forwards out there. And mm-hmm. um, what about Derek Ryan? I missed him. Cody CC, 6.02. Six minutes. I, Cody, I gave him an eight this game, Bruce. Actually, you know. Um, he nearly scored, too. 
Yeah. Bruce, did you say the word hosel of his stick? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a golf term. The hosel of a golf club is the part uh-huh. that connects the shaft to the club. So it's right sort of the the heel of the stick, but actually the angle of the stick. Where the, that's where he lifted his stick. All right. Thank you. And uh, people who don't know Murdoch Davis, he's my former editor at the Edmonton Journal, an outstanding editor um, there from the late 80s uh, to the early 2000s. And uh, big Oilers fan that we talk with all the time on social media. Uh, and the Zach Hyman illness, when I heard that, I had a sinking feeling because mm-hmm. we have seen the Oilers collapse in previous years when they all get sick all at once. Now, that was pre-COVID. Maybe everybody's learned a thing or two about germ maintenance, about avoiding getting sick. But typically, it runs right through the team. So hopefully, mm-hmm. we won't get that. Fingers crossed about that. Um, Zach Hyman is such a key player. But um, Kane and um, Connor Brown actually filled in pretty well, especially Kane, who had just another great game. Bruce, my, my good thing will be the the top pairing on defense. I just thought um, this has been a run. I just think Darnell Nurse has been getting better and better and better as the season's going along. And he's doing what we we all hoped he would do, and mm-hmm. which is to play shutdown defensive hockey. These two defensemen um, kept a clean sheet at even strength, meaning they did not make a major mistake between them on one Grade A shot against at even strength. They were outstanding wow. defensively this game. They were outstanding on the penalty kill. They really dominated this game in a way they didn't do in the playoffs. And um, I don't know why that was. Like I, I, I don't know. Like I, I'll have to look more, a little bit more closely at what system the Oilers are playing under Knobloch. Although he said he was a, a fan of the zone when he arrived in town, but they are just really settled. And um, Nurse is also making great, uh, he made another um, great stretch pass for an early uh, grade A shot. Um, He charged up the ice himself, Nurse did, just hustled Mm -hmm. like crazy up the ice and got a very dangerous uh, five alarm tip shot on the uh, PK uh, Mm -hmm. in the second period. And then the rebound too, he drew a penalty on that play. It all all happened on, on, on one great rush. CeCe's game, um, he didn't necessarily, he, he did get one pretty good shot off on net, but, mm-hmm. and um, he was involved in the attack. He made three major contributions, two grade A shots at even strength, but really it was his defensive game. He just won battle after battle after battle after battle. It was a, he is back to being, you know, we, we had high praise for Cody CeCe, not so much last year, but the year before. Often he was, you know, we talked about what a solid defensive player he was last year. He was injured and he wasn't that player this year. So far, at least he's healthy again. And, um, he and nurse are, are forming a, a, what I, what I really want them to be at, you know, I'm not, I'm not at looking for offense from these two guys, but if they can play solid shutdown defense like that, it's going to go a long way for the Edmonton Oilers because they have a great attacking pair in Eckholm and Bouchard, but they really need, um, that shutdown pair, and they've got it right now, and they've had it for the for the, you know, as the orders have been playing better in this last little while. These two these two players are a, a key reason for that. What kind of grade did you give Nurse tonight? Eight for Nurse and eight three, for CC. Three in a row for Nurse. That grade 
great games is uh, by our jargon eight eight is code for a great game and he's playing yeah. extremely well right now extremely well yeah when you're playing so many tough minutes and you don't allow any great a shots mm-hmm. against and you're a defenseman that is a great that is a great game that is no. that is the that is the essence of a great game for a defenseman and um it's just what the orders need from these two players and they're and they're getting it and, and uh, i don't know if it's quieted people down on uh social media about nurse because there's a lot of irate people uh, and and I've, I've made some pretty strong criticisms of him as well earlier in the year when he when he made bonehead plays and in the playoffs last year against vegas when he was you know, but I think there was systemic issues that were going on, and I, maybe they're starting to figure out their their system of play, whatever it is, um, this year. And and because um, they have been playing really solid defense as a team um, in recent games as well, so it's a it's a welcome development. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did tonight. You know, the uh, uh, expected goals in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 4.19 for the Oilers, 1.95 for Vegas, and the score was 4-4. Four to four. And this is a natural stat trick. They had high danger chances as 19-7. to seven. What, we have them 17-9? We're counting slightly different things, but many times it's the same shot that yeah. would, would record on both uh, systems. And the Oilers were clearly the... Uh, uh, the superior team, I think, on balance in this game, they deserve to get the the, the toss-up point in the shootout. What um, what would you have given Skinner in the, in this game? Skinner? Yeah. Oh man, uh, that's a tough one. Like it was. I, I gave which... him a. I gave him a five. Yeah, yeah, I think I would have done, like, I don't know which goal I would even necessarily blame him on, you know? Yeah, that's right. The like, one was a midair tip by Stone that bounced in off of Ekholm, right? And then the uh, uh, the second one was, uh, we'll talk about it more later, the D-zone face-off that turned into a breakaway for Vegas. Not quite sure how that happened, but, uh, yeah. and he deked and he got it upstairs, and some people thought maybe Backhand. he should have stopped that, I don't know, but... Uh, maybe. It was a backhand deke, and you know, upstairs, and then the third one was just, you know, the puck through was, Ernie, like it was screen, right like it was Ernie, Ernie, and and uh, uh, he was unsighted completely, and you know, buddy, there, uh, what's his name? Uh, what they say it was his twenty third career goal, Tim ben, Hutton, Hutt, Ben, Tim ben Hutton, or ben, 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 Ben Hutton, Tim Hutton's the actor, Ben yeah, Hutton. Hutton. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the financial advisor, Ben Hutton, uh, and uh, he just you know he just made a shot, a kind of a lucky shot where he just kind of scoffed at it and he put it in the perfect spot, and then the fourth one, I mean, a mid-air tip by a guy un, unmolested right on the edge of the crease. Yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about that one a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I think it, the mid-air tip. Oh. I think it hit the hosel of his stick and went in. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah, that's uh, that's about <laughs> where the hosel is. Is just above the. It's the joining part. I just looked it up, and it's uh, it's the joining part of the. Yeah, uh, I so I gave him a five. He won the shootout. I mean, I know Marcia so missed the net on a shot, but if if goalie the goalie's partly responsible when a player misses the net, I believe so. Um, no, I Skinner. I gave him a five. He did let in four goals. He didn't have a lot of difficult shots, but the ones that did go in, it's like hard to blame him. So yeah. 
All right, uh, we're on to our bad things, Bruce. Let's start it off with your bad thing. Yeah, it's got to be that 2-2 goal. The Oilers had just taken the lead on uh, Janmark's goal, which kind of balanced out the stone goal that tied it earlier in the period. And the 2-1 lead lasted for all of 43 seconds. And in fact, it lasted for, I think, about two seconds off of this face-off play. And I just couldn't understand the alignment on the, on the face-off. Uh, they had it was McDavid in the face-off circle for Oilers. On the left, uh, was dot. on the left the left dot. Yeah. Uh, they had Evan Bouchard, the right defenseman, all the way over on the left boards. Uh, they had Matthias Ekholm, the left defenseman, behind McDavid to the left of the net, and then on the right hash marks they had the two wingers. And when the puck was dropped, uh, both wingers skedaddled to the two points. And the Vegas win, win, winger, uh, Amodio, Michael Amodio. Yeah. I was thinking Modium when I hear that guy. <laughs> anyway, uh, he gets winds up being alone. And the Vegas center on second effort manages to slide the puck through to him. The wingers are gone. Bouchard is nowhere to be found, the right defenseman, where you would normally expect him to be somewhere near the front of the net on a left side face off and then Ekholm's trying to get over and of course his stick is on the wrong side he's got to try and make a play on his backhand Amodio deeks to his backhand away from Ekholm and puts it upstairs and I just thought who is covering who here and why is there why do they get a clean cut essentially breakaway off of a d-zone face off like what is the intent of this alignment and so i'm sure there was maybe individual errors made by some of the players there like maybe the the wingers have to check down in terms of who's won the face off before they skedaddle out to the points uh but to me that's uh that's an alignment error and by extension a coaching error and i mean coaches out there Tell me I'm wrong and tell me why that, why, what is the sense of putting your right defenseman on the left wing hash marks on a left side face off? And then we'll both know. I totally <laughs> mystified. We, we did see this last year a bit, Bruce, this weird thing where, mm -hmm. where they were in their man to man system mm -hmm. uh, off a of face off, the Oilers defenseman would mm -hmm. line up that way. And the way, and the defenseman would, would follow. Like if you're uh, if you were on the boards, line right. up on the boards, and the and the forward went back into the high slot, the defenseman would follow that forward out, and mm -hmm. what we often saw was two, like sometimes two forwards covering the front of the net instead of having right. a defenseman there, and it was a disaster because the forwards aren't they're not defensemen, and, this, and they would get beat on tips and they would get beat on battles, and it, you know Janmark was the was the winger there in the slot, and he went out immediately to the point, and but maybe that was his assignment, like. I'm yeah. sure they're supposed to check and help the center win the face-off, but it, there was a bit of a delay there, and then he just he so and you know it was uncertain who was going to win that face-off for a second, and then it was a nice battle won by the Vegas center who passed yeah. it to Modio off the face-off. Right. So it was a, so Janmark and the other winger Huge. shot out to the points. Huge. And um, yeah, if Bouchard had been in mm -hmm. Eklund's spot, at least he would have had been able to lunge forward with his stick. In the, right. in the correct hand to make the play. It was just a total mm -hmm. mystifying oh. cock up and I don't get it either. Yeah, well, here, here's the part I really don't get. Like, I understand the winger's job is to cover the points. So 
you can have the one winger helping out the D-man on the sort of inside, like near the net hash marks, and put the other winger on the board's hash marks, and then he can just jump out to that point from the board. Yeah. But they had the two wingers in the middle, and they just spread right out, and they just went, took off like in the in the Mighty well, Ducks maybe. V formation, skating out to the two points, well, and maybe. abandoned the front of the net. Maybe the theory is for the for Nugent Hopkins, who's going to the left point. Mm-hmm. Maybe they think he has a better angle to block the shot that's incoming if he starts in that position mm-hmm. than he does if he's going straight out from the point. Then he's right. got a curve into the middle. But I don't, I don't, I have no idea. And it would be interesting. I hope they ask. Actually, I hope no, someone, that would no, be that would be an interesting question. It, would be good. I'd to, like to hear an explanation. What do you do? What what is that formation all about? Oh, like what what's, what's yeah. everybody's job? On that. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, that's the question. Not, not you know, not pointing fingers and stuff like we're just, kind of doing, yeah. but just sort of say what it, what, what it, what was the intent there? Because it, it didn't who seem like anyone Bouchard, What is Bouchard supposed to do from the boards? Would be my yeah. question. Because <laughs> it didn't seem necessarily like anyone made a major mistake. It was just like this. All of a sudden, they got one. You know, they got the mm-hmm. puck in front of the net and they score. Bruce, mm-hmm. um, my bad thing was. Something that just, yeah, exactly. Face palm. It was a face palm of a play. And um, the puck's in the corner. There's two minutes left in the game. They have Kulak and Daharne out there, which is okay. Kulak and Daharne are okay, although they were out for the previous goal just at the six-minute mark. And um, Daharne was culpable a little bit on that one. But on this one, the puck goes into the corner and Kulak gets it and he throws it up the boards and it's a turnover. And, um, oh, I got it right now. I didn't put that in my, uh, okay. And um, and then um, Deharney cruises out slowly, I think ever so slowly. He has a chance to, to shut that play down, get stick on puck, block that shot before it's ever taken this outside shot, but he doesn't. He just hangs back. And he's very passive in his defense instead of being aggressive. There was no need for that. It wasn't a six on five. It's five on five defensive hockey. Get on that player. Get stick on puck. He's this great big man with a huge reach. But I think he froze in the moment um, somewhat and um, allowed the outside shot on net. Meanwhile, there's there's two Vegas attackers in front of the net. There's just one Brett Kulak. And who should be helping him? And this is what killed the Oilers in the playoffs. This is absolutely the play that killed the Oilers in the playoffs. Vegas's theory is just throw the puck at the net because you can count on the Oilers' centers not to play proper defense. They won't get there and they won't help the defense. That's exactly what happened. And Ryan McLeod was cruising out in the red light zone, not covering anybody, not covering a passing lane, certainly not taking the immortal Keegan Colasar in the slot leaving him wide open for an easy tip-in goal. And Ryan McLeod, uh, that was, he got on an overtime, which surprised me because that was a horrendous mistake by McLeod and not a great play by DeHarnay either. And um, yeah, I was, I didn't like that at all. McLeod, McLeod had Colesar in the corner and he came out of the corner first with Colesar behind him and he came out to the middle of the ice and as he was coming out, <clears throat> he saw the way the play was lining up. He took one glance over his shoulder, saw Colesar alone, 
in front of the net, and then he turned his attention back and was transfixed by the puck as it was shot and deflected into the net by Kolsar. Like, what are you doing out there, man? Like, that's your guy. And, he, I mean, even he did the shoulder check, which is the right thing, but then he ignored the information that he got from it, and he wound up, but watch the replay, he winds up about three to five feet directly behind Warren Fogle, both of them covering nobody. What was well, he thinking? The goal scorer is right at the edge of the crease, ready to, I mean, he had to take the deflection out of the air, but NHL players can do that. Even fourth line NHL players like Keegan Colesar can do that, especially if nobody's checking them. Like, hello. Anyway, hockey happens fast. And even the best defenders sometimes make mistakes. Oh. And Ryan McLeod's an okay defender. But that was not an okay play at all. That was a big mistake in a key moment. And I need to check myself. It was on the third goal, I think, that Kulak made the turnover, not on that last goal, unless I'm mistaken. There was a lot of ha- yeah, lot happening in that goal, game. For sure. Yeah, I think it was the third goal. I don't think it was that goal. Uh, I didn't. I don't think Kulak was culpable. He was covering his man. It was just yeah, like, you can only cover one. There was two guys, and he had and one of them. If McCall just got on that guy, like it's... <sighs> I. I don't understand it, Bruce. I don't know. <laughs> These are professional yeah. hockey players. They know how goals are scored. They know how important it is to cover the guy in front of the net, and they don't always do it. Anyway, that's hockey. That's life. Um, you know, Vegas Vegas made a mistake on McDavid's goal. The kind of, the, you know, the one that I excoriated Nurse for earlier in the year when yeah. Nurse when Nurse let some, you know, two actually two guys get in behind him on a rush. The orders are mm-hmm. rushing up the ice. All five guys join the right. play. There's two guys behind Nurse and Fogel misses the net. It goes all the way out to center ice. There's a break in. Well, this time they left Connor McDavid. It was a four on four, I believe. And and so, but the defenseman just thought, oh, let's join the play. What, what could go wrong? <laughs> and Connor McDavid scoops up the puck at center ice and just just absolutely bazookas in a backhand shot. Man, did he did he ever charge in, and did he ever finish well? He's he's healthy, Bruce. He's back now. Vegas, if as long as he doesn't get sick. Vegas made some very uncharacteristic mistakes for a Stanley Cup champion, and you can see why the team's in the slide. They're yeah. fortunate to get a point out of this game. They had three goals in the last four games coming in. They got four in one game against the Oilers. Go figure. But defensively, they weren't that great. And I, I think in this game, like there was seven five-on-five goals scored in this game. And I think the coach of the team allowing the goal, like they're never happy giving up a goal. But I think the coach of the team that was scored on will be PO'd by the goal in all of those seven goals. Like there were some very fundamental mistakes made of one description or other. And, and uh, guy, you know, guys didn't box out and lifted stick. You know, there was a fundamental defensive errors. Or, and some of them like that, Vegas letting McDavid get behind him. I mean, that's a whopper of a mistake. Yeah. And you, they you know, paid, they paid the price as you might expect. You know why you wonder why these mistakes happen at the top level, but in a way, if you think about it, whatever level of hockey you're playing at for the player, if you're tiered correctly, it always seems like the game is fast and difficult. And and that extends to the NHL. These The game at that level is fast and difficult for the players there. It's a huge challenge and mistakes are going to be made because 
that's just the nature of hockey. Things happen so fast. And as great as these NHL players are, sometimes the speed of the game gets the best of them. And uh, they make mistakes like that. That's probably what happened to McLeod. I think he, fatigue might have been an issue on the um, – on the, uh, I don't know how long McLeod and DeHarnay have been on the ice, but maybe that's why DeHarnay was so slow to get over to that that player on the boards. They might have been a little bit um, tired. All right, Bruce, your numero, what is it? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the rare feat of Connor McDavid getting three points in one period for the third game in a row. I mean, three points in one period is a pretty rare feat. Uh, you know, it happens once in a while, but not really often. And McDavid, I believe tonight, is pulled into a tie with Sidney Crosby uh, among active players. Uh, this would be the kind of record that Wayne Gretzky would be uh, still receding into the distance uh, with. But among active players, because uh, I posted this, I think, last game and when McDavid did it for the second game in a row, and that got him to 23, and he was one behind Sidney Crosby, who has 24 in his career uh, it's phenomenal. What is it now? 19-year career for wow. Crosby? Wow. Since 05? Yeah. And so for McDavid, 10 years less, of course. Uh, Sid had a 10-year head start. Now he's overtaken him in this sort of point explosion category of getting three in one period. And here he's done it three games in a row, right? Three in the first, uh, in the second period at Washington, all on the power play. Three in the first period against uh, uh, Anaheim on Sunday night as Edmonton forged to a 4-2 lead. And then tonight again, it was the second period where uh, he was involved in all three of the goals. Uh, one was a, a little bit of a, uh, you know, secondary assist kind of play where he, you know, he got on the scoreboard without really being in the center of the play. But he was uh, uh, he was key player played a key role in the other two and so th uh, three games in a row with uh, a three-point period and i don't know what is the record obviously they keep track of it if they know that Sidney crosby and Connor mcdavid each have 24 but it's a uh, uh in terms of doing it in consecutive games i would guess that three games in a row might be the record or might tie the record for guys you know it's just very unusual to get, uh, you know, three-point games are one thing, but uh, three points in, in a period. Uh, and that said, uh, Connor, even with his new uh, accomplishment, can't hold a, can a candle to the immortal Sam Gagne, who in 2012 scored three points in three consecutive periods. Uh, in his great eight-point game against Chicago, he got three points in the second period and five in the third. And then the next game against Detroit, he got three in the first period. Remember, I was at the second game, the Detroit game, and he scored at 19.59 of the first period uh, to uh, complete his, a three-point period for the third period in a row. He had 11 points in 60 minutes, which even the great Daryl Sittler couldn't accomplish. Uh, so Sam stands alone in this sort of bizarre uh, accomplishment, 60 minutes, but over a two-game span where he did something no one else has ever done. And Sam Gagne, hey, look at he's on tonight's score sheet too. 
with uh, sudden sound. With a goal. He's still around, still hanging around, but has one huge claim to fame is that eight point game. And then this, you know, what he did in the first period of the next game was uh, just a uh, uh, sort of cherry on top in terms of unusual scoring accomplishments. And, uh, and uh, so McDavid, uh, McDavid and Sam can have an interesting conversation after tonight's game, but uh, Connor's back, baby. 12 points in the last three games, and guess what? Edmonton won all three of them. Yeah, the Oilers are now um, five points back of the Nashville Predators in the wild card race, Bruce. Five points doesn't suddenly seem like an insurmountable total with almost, with um, well, 61 games left. Um that's the well, good not news. Not if the team's going good. Not if the so, team's going good. Yeah. Not if so the team's the going good. So the Blues lost to the Wild tonight, but that was a two-point game. The Preds won in overtime. That's unfortunate. Uh, the Stars shut out the Jets. So a two-point game. Uh, the Kraken lost to the Blackhawks. Go figure. In a, in a two-point game. So that's all good news. And uh, the Golden Knights got a got a point the Canucks beat the Ducks but you know there's uh, what you don't like to see on the out of town scoreboard ever is three point games don't mind them when your team's playing in them but you don't like them when when uh, I mean you'd rather win your game in regulation too but uh, uh, regulation losses are killer and as long as in these two point games somebody is absorbing a regulation loss and the owners gained Two points on the Kraken, uh, on the uh, uh, on Ducks. the Blues, on the Jets, uh, on the Ducks tonight. And yeah. So we'll. It's there's listen. There's a lot of season left, and um, yeah, the Oilers have just got to keep. They got to keep bringing their A game and keep winning. What's What's most encouraging to me is their defensive hockey going into the season. Um, it was um, it was a mess last year. They allowed too many goals against. They allowed too many goals against in the playoffs. Vegas came back in too many games, and uh, they almost did it this game. But it, it was a very strong defensive effort. There was just some weird goals. Yeah, some weird goals. Lots is the truth. Lots of weird goals. Both and, um, Yeah, uh, but the Oilers were, you know, they they had the as the expected goals. I think that does tell the the story of that game. I think it was probably uh, about four, four, two. four, four, two, four mm-hmm. two game, and uh, that's what it was, right down to the wire. And, and Vegas got those two. Bruce, my number is Evander Kane led the orders with um, seven hits tonight, and he leads. Um, I just googled the forwards in the NHL, not the defensemen, but he leads all the forwards in hits. 83 hits this year for Evander Kane. Tanner Genot is next with 75. Keegan Colasar, 72. Sammy Blay, 67. Paul Cotter, 65. Dakota Joshua, 60. Garnet Hathaway, 59. Marcus Felino, 58. And what you'll notice about all those names is they are not skilled players like Evander Kane. He is crushing it at even strength he scored um scored a nice goal tonight i'm just trying to think what that was it was uh, early in the game what did he What's do the, uh, oh no it was on the power goal. play yeah bouchard the, the hammered one it. Power play goal. yeah bouchard hammered it late in the second actually 
-hmm. And um, such a key goal, the 4-2 goal, and it looked like the Oilers were going to cruise from there. Um, he's fierce. He's intimidating for the for the other team, and he is he is hitting. He just is willing this team to victory. He has been such a key player all year, uh, at least from five games in, uh, when he had a rough start. Mm -hmm. But man, wow, he, his hands are backwards. He's making great plays with the puck, stick handling with the puck, deking people with the puck. Mm -hmm. um, if he can stay healthy, playing that this kind of hardcore physical game. I mean, he's one of the he's one of the few great power forwards in the NHL right now. He's up there he's with on the Kachuk short brothers. List. He's, on he's the up short there list, with yeah. the Kachuk brothers. Yeah, he'd be behind top. those guys, but he'd be, yeah. he'd be in that yeah. conversation at least. Yeah, well, at even strength, I don't know if they've outscored him. Um, so, uh, good for Evander Kane. Mm -hmm. Well, he's all over the event summary. He's one of those high event forwards, and he shows up in the event summary. And tonight, one goal, two penalties for four minutes. Three shots, eight shot attempts, seven hits, one giveaway, two takeaways, three block shots, and he even won a faceoff. You know, like he's his his every his entire event summary has got some kind of number in it. And it's uh, it, it's um, uh, pretty consistent. You know, most nights he's got crooked numbers in there, and usually in more than one column. And He's um, he's bringing it. For tonight's conundrum, Bruce, we'll just go to the, you know, how did the Oilers almost lose a game like that? I guess we've kind of covered it, but what would you, what would your final word be on that? Well, the first four-three goal came almost uh -huh. out of nothing. Yeah, And it was just a play where the puck squibbed away from a couple of Oilers. Gagne dived, didn't quite get to it. And the shot just found holes all the way through, right? It was just sort of a... And then it got to be a little bit nervous Nelly time. And I thought mostly they were fine in the next, like, four minutes. But uh, uh, when Vegas did get the puck in the zone, there was a little bit of of uh, indecisiveness and that really did hurt them on the 4-4 I mean, we talked about that at some length and you know there was a play with like 40 seconds left in regulation where uh, Zach Whitecloud scorer of an infamous goal in the playoffs last year came right down the pipe and fired a hard shot from the you know high slot and I had every vision of that thing going in the net and Edmonton coming out of that game with nothing. That would have been an absolute killer. And Skinner, to his credit, stopped that one. And he actually made a couple more stops in uh, the last few seconds of regulation to uh, to get it to overtime. Those last two minutes were real, real uh, pucker time. Uh, they had to uh, survive that and then... Yeah, but the uh, I'm not. They didn't do a whole lot wrong, and it was just you know some of it was just happenstance, and then one sort of crucial error. Sometimes it's just puck luck. Although the, like the Oilers' first goal was just a weird mm -hmm. one, right? It goes. Yeah, it there was, was lots it was, of it. It, it was that was a weird one too. So sometimes puck luck giveth, and sometimes it taketh mm -hmm. away. And tonight it certainly almost took away a a, a, a win the Oilers needed. 
and had earned. Yeah. But um, I'm thankful for the shootout, I guess. That I'm a, not a big fan of the shootout anymore. Last year, Oilers went 0-4 in the shootout. Never won Ooh. one all year. That's probably so why I'm not a big it. fan of the shootout anymore. It's well, lost its luster. Let's face it, it has. Yeah, get rid of it. Bruce, um, what's the next game? It is Thursday night at Winnipeg. And then they are off for five days. It's November 30th at Winnipeg, and then they don't play till December 6th. So this weekend coming up, it's like they have a mini break in the schedule. And it's a time, Good. I mean, presumably they'll get a day or even two days off at the beginning of it. And then it's the time for Chris Knobloch to really sort of lay down some systems and so on of his, you know, how how he wants them to play and what he wants them to do that's maybe different from the systems they've done before. And he's been doing, I think, little things here and there, but this is his first chance to really sink his teeth in it and have a sort of, you know, mini training camp where you have several days where you're only focused on practice and and uh, finding out what it is exactly the coach expects from you. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>